Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. salvation. 
As a matter of fact, the blood that was that, that, that was that was offered for many of the sacrifices when, was brought. Watch this now. Was brought into the other two compartments, which we're about to talk about. They were brought into the holy place and the most holy place, signifying to you were to learn from that that every stage of your growth in Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus covers you at every stage of growth. Oh, I wish I had a little more. I am asking that. At every stage, this is really tough to me. It's showing you the journey that Jesus takes you on as a follower of Jesus. You are covered by the blood of Jesus. Your justification in Jesus Christ is your position in Christ, making you right with the Father. And that continues to the entire journey. Only place we move into that second compartment. Basically, it was telling you about those three pieces of furniture that were in there. This is the brief overview. It was basically letting you know what you needed to grow in Christ. You need a prayer. You need what? You need a prayer. You need the Word of God. You need what? The Word of God. You need the indwelling Holy Spirit. Am I right? Yes, that's what you need to grow in Jesus Christ. But as you move now, it's that third compartment, the most holy place. Inside there, one piece of furniture is the Ark of the Covenant. Covenant. The Ark of the what? The Covenant. And in the Covenant is God's law. This is God's law. That's not well, right? And so it's letting you know that the Holy Spirit is growing in Christ, is moving you towards the presence of God by writing His law of love on your heart. It's a growing that relationship with Jesus. Right? And so as you now move at the top of this Ark of the Covenant, there the Shekinah glory would dwell. That was where the manifest presence of God dwelt. Jesus here through the sanctuary was showing these people God is so desperate to be with you that he has made provision to bring you from the moment you received Jesus Christ to bring you back to himself, back to his image, back to his presence. God loves you, wants to be with you, and he saves you by grace, through faith. This was revealing to you. Uh, later on in the temple, this was revealing to you your personal experience of Jesus and how he saves you. If you want to go ahead and move on to that next slide, please. Thank you. The temple slash sanctuary also showed you prophetically and historically what Jesus was doing through history. It was showing the work of Jesus, and when this was initially given to Daniel, and by the way, in light of our series that Pastor Daniel and I went through right now on the end times and how we should live during that. I want you to understand here that what the, what the sanctuary was telling you through this, by the way, being the longest time prophecy in the Bible. The longest time prophecy in the Bible. When it was given, it was given initially to Daniel. It was basically letting you know, it was like the years prophecy. It was basically letting you know, initially to the Jews, the Jewish exiles coming out of Babylon at that time in Persia. But it was basically letting the Jews, the exiles at that time know is, check it out, starting in 457 B.C. Starting when? 457 B.C. The Jews were given a period of a period of what? Of praise. That was to lead them 483 years into the future to the time of AD 27 when their Messiah would show up on the, on the scene. This by the way is confirmed by history. John the Baptist would baptize him. The Holy Spirit would fall and anoint him as the Messiah. Messiah basically means anoint, anointed king. Christ in Greek. Okay? 
This happened one time, then three and a half years later, after Jesus begins his kingdom movement and ministry. It takes you to 31 AD again, telling what Jesus to do through history. And Jesus goes to the cross, hallelujah. And at 31 AD, Jesus goes to the cross and he is cut off. He is crucified for your salvation, for mine. He secures it. It is finished, Jesus said. Amen. Salvation secure for those that believe, repent, and turn and trust in Jesus. But then three and a half years later, how many? Three and a half years later, it takes us to 34 AD. God's grace still being extended to his people, the Jewish nation. But the stoning of Stephen at 34 AD, the Jewish nation as a whole, and many of them began to follow Jesus. The Jewish nation as a whole officially rejected Jesus of Nazareth as their Messiah, and they basically said no. And the gospel then turned the traditions and goes to the Gentile nations. Jesus as he ascended to heaven. Jesus goes as as our true high priest into the true heavenly sanctuary, which the one on earth was just a copy, and basically after the cross was becoming obsolete. Jesus goes to the true sanctuary in heaven to do his continuing work of grace up there by the merits of his blood, representing us as our high priest, the followers of Jesus on earth. Continuing on past the parade, bringing you all the way now to the conclusion of this 2300 year prophecy in 1844. Very special and significant to us as a movement, amen? Because Jesus' ministry would transition to a new and final phase, his ministry of grace in the heavenly sanctuary. After which, all we are waiting for is the soon second coming of Jesus. This removes, everything. Any speculation of trying to pinpoint any time setting for when Jesus is coming back? Because this, in the Bible, all scripture, is the last time of prophecy given to us as followers of Christ. The only thing after this is the second coming of Jesus Christ, the second coming of our Savior from the Son of God, and I'll say amen. All right? And so all I'm telling you here with this, I'll give you this brief overview, the sanctuary and the temple in the Bible is a big deal. You can go to the next slide, please. The temple or the sanctuary in the Bible is a big deal. It's to reveal to you, to God's people personally about your salvation. It was to reveal to you through time the work of Jesus Christ for your salvation, the plan of salvation. And it was a big deal to Jesus. The temple and the sanctuary was revealing to you the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ for your salvation. He loves you, wants to be with you, and he saves you by his grace. You would think that with all this that they knew, they knew the scriptures, right? But you would think that they would be able to, knowing that all of this should have been pointing them to the Messiah. They did not recognize him like he can. John says, I need to go there, I'll tell you. In John chapter 1, verse 14, John writes in the Gospel of John, he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among them. In the original language of the Greek, that word there, dwelt, means he tabernacled among them. In other words, God in flesh now is coming as the embodiment of the temple. He called the tabernacle, the temple, right? He now is God with us. Jesus shows up on the scene just where he goes, not long after the beginning of his ministry. That's where he goes. He goes to the temple. 
Because this device was, was designed to continually focus. Can we what? Focus his people on the coming Jesus. On his work for their salvation. Not just their salvation, but salvation for the world. It was to direct their attention to the gospel. Every day. Daily and annually every day of the time. And when Jesus shows up now, the beginning of his ministry, right? Jesus goes into the temple expecting, hopefully, that his people are focused on him. They're crying for the reception of the gospel and the Messiah. When he goes from there, he finds them focused on anything but the sacrifice of Jesus. He goes in there, he looks around, and everybody is stunned when they see him walking out of the fire. They just describe that. And there's almost a hush when he walks in there. But when he takes on, he stands to see, and he realizes that his people have lost focus on his sacrifice. And Jesus does something so startling, that we're getting ready to talk about it in a second, but he does something so startling that upsets the religious leaders there. And what he does, he repeats later on at the end of his ministry, which we'll talk about in a moment. But Jesus then also does something very interesting. He identifies himself with the temple, and he says, basically, I am the temple. He says, destroy this temple. When you read it there in the Gospel of John, he's referring to the temple of his body. He says, destroy this temple, and I will raise it back up in three days. Mysteriously, cryptically referring to his death and resurrection that would come three and a half years later. But then he does something. Watch this. We're also going to this this way. He then leaves the temple and continues his kingdom ministry as a one man mobile temple. The ministry that was to take place in the temple, Jesus was now functioning in almost like a movement, bringing it to the people. He was forgiving sins. He went to the temple for that. He was teaching scripture and conducting worship, right? He was, he was healing people. They expected all that stuff to happen at the temple. Jesus is subverting. He's already starting to underline. He's already starting to replace even. That's the message that's kind of being given, kind of coming across here. That the whole point of this structure is actually quite to me. And you lost focus on it. We know it's in the Bible teaches us that today there is no need because of Jesus and what he has fulfilled. There is no need for any earthly temple. In terms of a building or a structure, but the Bible also lets us know that we individually and collectively, the Bible says, we are the temple where the Holy Spirit dwells. So, this morning, I'm to you today is our question today. If Jesus were to personally show up in your life, in your home, and even in our worship, what would he see? What would he find? Would he find us focused on him? Would he find us focused on something else? And what happens when we're not focused on him? I'm going to tell you, we will here in Matthew 21, beginning in verse number 12. I hope I know you found the verse. Amen? Matthew 21, beginning in verse number 12, the Bible says, and Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, hear his voice echoing, as my wife says in fire pages, sounding out like a trumpet in the temple. His voice bells out and says, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. 
because there were two particular things that were happening there in the outer court. By the way, this was the court of the Gentile. I don't even know this until this week as I was preparing for this. Jerusalem temple was slightly different from Solomon's temple. But you see here, it's more of Solomon's temple. The previous slide that I showed you is more Herod's temple. They're actually the court of basically this outer court area here that you're seeing there. That open space was basically at Solomon's temple. But anyway, but anybody come, right? This is the gospel message. Anybody comes to Jesus, right? Anybody comes to the cross, okay? When you get down to the time of Herod, what's happening is you have a section for the, it was called the court of Israel, which I knew meant the Israelite men. Watch this. And then the Israelite women were at a lower level, sectioned off from that. They could not enter. You know the next group I'm about to tell you about? Unless they were to be healed. Okay? And there was actually a stone made out of it, by the way, in um, Turkey. And with that, you see, you have a stone that actually has a sign there in the temple that says, if you don't cross this particular spot, you're dead. Okay? And so then beyond the court of the women, there was, uh, watch this out, there was the court of the Gentiles. When you read your Bible in the Gospels, particularly during this time, it says that Jesus taught in the temple daily. Do you know where he was? In the court of the Gentiles. Who was stirred by Father? Jesus was in the very place where the people that needed his grace the most, that needed to hear about the kingdom of God, they needed to hear it the most, that needed his grace the most. That's where he spent most of his time there in the temple as he's teaching, right? Okay, now watch this. It wasn't so much the injustice here, it wasn't so much the issue that they were selling there in the, in the court there in the temple, right? This, this became a needed service. People traveled very far to get to these festivals, absolutely. As they were providing the service, but here's the problem. They hiked up the, the prices, okay, the money changers and those that bought and sold there in the outer court. They were hiking up the prices, making a profit, but what kind of extortion, and they were, and they were oppressing the poor. But you have a cursory reading of the Old Testament, God has a lot to say about that. Now watch this. The second major thing that's very disturbing, guess where they actually placed this marketplace-like atmosphere, buying and selling and money changing and exchanging their foreign monies for the temple money? Guess where, guess the strike how do you know by that? Guess where they decide, hey, well, if we're going to put this kind of marketplace kind of stuff with the buying and selling, where's the place you're going to find to do this here in this article? You know where they decided to put it? In the court of the Gentiles. In the court of the Gentiles. Could they in any way, with, with all the crowd that came in and all the noise that was going on there with the money changes and the exchanging of foreign money for the temple money and the, and the buying of the animals and the doves to, 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 and all that noise, could they appreciate the service that was directed them to the sacrifice of Jesus that was about to happen that week? No, and Jesus raises up his voice. And he says, my house, quoting, I believe it's Isaiah, I guess Isaiah 56, verse 7. Isaiah 56, verse 7. He's quoting Isaiah, and he's saying, listen, my house should be called the house of prayer, but I like what Mark 11, I believe it's verse 17, gives you the fuller quote of Isaiah. If you haven't had a chance to scroll over Isaiah 56 and verse 7, you'll know some so stuff where Jesus actually held back a little bit. Because what he then goes on to say is, My father's house will be called a house of prayer for all 
guess what happens when we realign with Jesus? Some of you may not know this, but today our son, Tommy, is doing adventures for the first time. We're really excited. That's kind of a surreal thing for us right now. Okay? But what many of you may or may not know is that for the last several months, Tommy was almost incapable of walking. He was quite crippled. He could barely walk. He was smooth. But he was almost running prior. And, and so we went through this big kind of, you know, emotional roller coaster, going to this doctor and that doctor, and this test and that test. We went to the Fairfax uh, Hospital ER for children, and you know, all these different things. And what's going on with our son? He's like inviting people to pray and all this kind of stuff. I want to testify to you today. And after all of those tests, we found out just this week. The last test finally came back. There's absolutely, I'm a fuck climb. I'm looking at positive because I got to get back with this. We, we were praying and inviting people to pray, but at the same time, God was convicting Deidre and I to, to start this. Um, we already had our own kind of, you know, process of how we went through a deep in our relationship with Jesus. But the Lord said, look, we need to go deep in right now. See, you parents, you guys understand that when something like this happens to your kids, right, it rings your heart, right? And, and so it's a call to refocus on Jesus. Go deeper with me right now. I'm going to take you through these waters. So Deidre and I, man, we are praying. Yes, we're going to see you every day. But then, but then God said, look, why don't you guys leave? I said, let me do this together. There's a chronological Bible reading plan. I'm excited when I talk about this. This is right now. It totally is this revolutionizing right now. Right now. So we read, you know, she reads at night when she goes to sleep, I read in the morning. Then we come together after we've had a little time with the kids and we talk about what we learned. It's exciting. We're talking this thing is deepening our relationship with Jesus, it's deepening our relationship with each other. And our reliance on Jesus now is starting to strengthen. We're going to hear from Jesus every day and specifically speaking into our lives. Hey, trust me, right? I got this. You can't depend on yourself. You can't depend on me. Even though we're giving him um, the counseling that means basically what he had was rickets. And the dietary rigors, he was deficient in vitamin D and calcium. Okay? And so as we're now kind of giving him the supplements and feeding him and making sure he's getting everything he needs, we're praying the whole time, we're covering him and trusting in the word of God as we're reading and praying those promises right here. And as we're doing that, finally now, this test comes back, oh, he's fine. We understand, oh, he's fine. And this last one, which is the genetic one, is that something genetic that he inherited? Came back, absolutely nothing is wrong with our son. Yes, I'm telling you right now, when we got the answer to care for healing, praise for God about us. I mean, every time we see this guy, you know, he's basically like kind of running into the room with excitement, you know? And, and unfortunately, sometimes he's so excited now that he can actually move about. That's why many times you see me having to kind of scoot down and come back in because he wants to go under. He's a young older and stuff. He wants to go underneath now the, the, the pews. He's like, I got legs and I can use them, okay? Um, so anyway, so, so so when you realign with Jesus, like with the dream, I've experienced our lives. We begin to realize all this, and we can do everything we can for His healing, but we can't depend on ourselves. You know, we we shift, you know, we focus on Jesus. We don't depend on Him for the healing. We don't depend on Him for the breakthrough. Because as we do that, we're drawn, we're healed, and praise breaks. Um, I want you to see what's really interesting here in this story. It's a very interesting contrast as we come to a close here. As we come to a close here, there is, there is this interesting contrast. The very 
thing that was bringing praise and healing and being drawn to Messiah. Uh, but one of the things that were happening there in that court made those that were not focused on Jesus indignant. Makes that Jesus was indignant because of injustice just a moment ago. And now, when actual righteousness is taking place, those that were not focused on him are now indignant. And what were they so upset about? Now, watch, notice that they did not have a problem when Jesus was healing people. They didn't say nothing. Did you notice that? But they said something the moment the children started to sing this praise song. And they hit this one lyric that said, Son of David, call Messiah, King, Lord. And then how we treat Jesus sometimes? Oh, heal me, Jesus. I'm cool with that. But the moment you want to now start to be king and lord and have some reign that I see and how I live my life, oh, I have a problem, Jesus. Oh, forgive me, Jesus. But the moment you start to say, hey, like in the relationship, I just kind of like how I need you to live. You can go, oh, I don't want to trust. No, that's uncomfortable. And they're indignant. They're upset. And Jesus then affirms the praise of his children. Look at that last slide there. The next slide, rather. Auntie Ellen commenting on these kids and how they just kind of break out into praise. She says the children were foremost in the rejoicing. Jesus had healed their maladies. Apparently, some of them were those that were also healed among other people. And he clasped them, I love the beautiful language and he clasped them in his arms, received their kisses and grateful affection. And some of them had fallen, watch this, asleep over him, y'all, in here. So 
believe that Jesus, as he's going to the cross, that we just two days later, when Jesus is now being mocked and beaten and abandoned, I believe he's hearing the echoing of that song. And he goes, oh man, yeah, that strengthens me. That's perfect. Right? And, and then when he goes to the cross, right, and he's hanging there, and he takes the missile of your sins upon himself, and he crushes out his life, I can just see him holding on, Father, it's finished, because I can still hear the sound of children. That's perfect. Maybe we need to join Eddie for the children and offering perfect grace. If that's anybody here, they sing this last song. Thank you for listening to Living For Him Podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.